Welcome to the Evolving Accountant Podcast. We all know that some accountants can be boring, but definitely not this one. Why talk trial balances and P&L when we can get ripped jeans into the boardroom and hear business insights from people who have really walked the talk? Get ready. Here comes an all-new episode with your host, Darren Wingfield. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Accountant Podcast, powered by Harlan's Accountants. Delighted to say that we've got another food and drink guest this morning, and that I'm joined by Alex Smith, founder and director of Alara. First of all, Alex, welcome to the show. And for our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, but more importantly, what you see as your drive to get out of bed in the morning? Darren, thank you very much for inviting me to come on this podcast. Certainly looks like a very interesting series with some great guests you've had on already. What gets me out of bed in the morning is my view that the food and drink businesses and supply chains have to be absolutely at the forefront of a shift to a sustainable society and that a sustainable society is really a make or break situation for this business, this country and the whole globe. So playing what part I can in that transition is really what gets me out of bed in the morning. Perfect. So can we find out a little bit more about yourself, Alex, and what sort of your career or your journey has been like ultimately to where we are today? I was born in Somerset. I went to school in Millfield. Then before I took up my place studying architecture in London, I went for a year fishing on the Pacific. I then came back and started studying architecture. And after a while, I dropped out because I was living in a squat at the time and it seemed unreasonable to learn how to build new houses when there were so many empty ones around at the time. I was living in a house that was condemned because of property development. It had been bought by a property developer and then ransacked. And in opposition to this, I lived for a year without using any money. So I had no money for a year. The lady I was living with at the time got a bit fed up with it after a year, and we decided to start using money again. And the very next morning, I found two pounds in the street, and we started off the business using that two pounds. So the first thing we did was take a van. I'd been going down to New Covent Garden Market on a bike and going in for free. So I borrowed a friend of Morris Minor pickup truck and spent the two pounds getting the truck in there went around the same dustbins, picking up more thrown away fruit and veg. And then we sold those in a squat. So we started the business selling thrown away fruit and veg in a squat. Quite soon, we then turned into a whole food shop. And the first thing really I bought was flour. And with that flour, I started baking bread. There was an old gas oven in the shop we squatted. And then, as I say, we turned into a whole food shop and we had oats and nuts and raisins, all that kind of stuff in the shop. So it seemed natural to start making muesli. So we've always been keen on adding value. So that was the first main stage of the business, turning a thrown away fruit and veg shop into a 
full food shop. And we didn't really have any overheads. We did because we'd be living for a year without using money. We knew how not to spend money to keep body and soul together. So really all of the income that we got got reinvested back into the business. After a while, we got evicted from that shop and we squatted another shop. It grew on from there. We got evicted from that shop and by then we'd earned enough money to buy the tail end of a lease in a shop in central London, quite close to King's Cross Station. We turned into a whole food shop then. We kept the muesli mixing. But at that stage, we were wholesaling the muesli that we were making. We then moved from that shop to a bigger one. Then we moved from the muesli mixing from that to a small premise. Jogging through this pretty quick. This is almost 50 years story at a, at a run here. We then moved from that warehouse and that sh shop to a second shop and moved the muesli mix into a bigger unit. I then got divorced. The shops went. I kept the, the muesli mixing warehouse side. And then we had a whole series of sort of global firsts, really. We were the very first cereal company anywhere in the world to be certified organic. The very first cereal company to be certified by the Celiac Society. The very first company to make fair trade certified cereals. The very first company to be zero waste first company to be plastic free and it sort of goes on and on a bit and we've now for a while been claiming to be the most sustainable food manufacturer on earth it's probably enough potted history so you've got a opportunity for another question in here darren <laughs> so the question i was really interested in early on was when you mentioned about fishing in the pacific yeah. um, i'm a keen fisherman keep keep uh -huh. i've kept japanese koi in the past and things like that so very, very interesting. Can you tell what sort of role was that in, sort of as a fisherman or? Yeah, no, as a fisherman, it was, we were trolling. Do you know what trolling is? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if, if you have a look at these, you quite often see these boats. Oh, what was I? I was watching it. I was just the other day, I think it was a James Bond movie I was watching that had pictures of the wharves in San Francisco. And there was boats there with two long poles up, you know, vertically above them. And it was those trolls, you know, trolling boats that I was fishing on. So it's a six-month season, and I did two seasons. First of all, we were fishing for salmon, and that's where you use big lead weights. You drop the weights through the water, and then you hook monofilament lines onto the with baits onto the weights as they go down through the water. You have about 36 books. So that's salmon. And after that, about three months, you we moved over to go to shop uh, to fish for albacore tuna. And with albacore tuna you have 12 hooks with flashes they're called that sit just on the water behind the boat. So that was the two fishes that we were fishing for that of course we caught one or two other things and hake was one of the things we caught quite a lot of 
rock cod was quite a lot, you know, one of the other things we caught quite a bit of. The most amazing thing I think I ever caught was a huge shark. Uh, that was when we were fishing for salmon. And there were sort of nicknames for salmon, depending on how big they were. So quite a big salmon is called a suitcase, and a huge salmon is called a gorilla. That's you know, the sort of nicknames that we had for them. And you could tell how big it was by how much out the monofilament line was from the wire dragging through the water. So I was oiling the wire in with the weight at the bottom. And I could see the monofilament off to one side and a huge shape there. And I called the captain over. It was only a two-man boat. I called the captain over and I said, oh, look, we've got, a, we've got a gorilla coming up here. I thought it was a huge salmon to start with, but it wasn't. It was a shark. I'm not quite sure which one, but it was about eight foot long, I suppose, really quite big. And it had just the hook was just caught through its lip. So I thought to bend down to unhook it, but I decided not to. So I just cut the, cut the line and it swam off. So that was a sort of a memorable event then. But we'd go out for a, you know two weeks into the Pacific. The captain used to joke that he knows why Englishmen are called limeys, because they turn green as soon as they go out, out of the port. And I did get pretty seasick, but it was a you know, very interesting job. And we were fishing all the way up the west coast of the US. So we started off, uh, the first time I started off in Morro Bay, and the second time from Sausalito, and we fished all the way up the Pacific west coast of America, so up through Washington State, right up to Oregon, following the fish. So that was an yeah. eventful journey. I find it so interesting. Obviously, I've done boat fishing and things like that as well, and our, our bucket list would be to catch a blue marlin. It's, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'm going to be one there. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think I could be on a boat for long. <laughs> I've done I've done day trips, but that's it. I don't I don't think I could do a couple of weeks stint. Yeah, no, it's a couple of weeks. So you're looking at somebody who's caught over a ton of salmon on hook and line in a day. Yep, that that's good going. <laughs> and you know, and I had to gut them and ice them. So the salmon we gutted and ice, and the albacore tuna we froze without gutting. I mean, it was my job to catch them, to gut them, to freeze them, or to pack them with ice. So it was a pretty long day. It started about half past five in the morning up till seven or eight at night. Good effort. Good effort. Let's talk a little bit more about Alara. There is obviously a lot of certifications around sort of the cereal being the organic and the sustainability cyber. Can you talk a little bit more about what the what the brand does on a day-to-day basis now? We're not just a brand, we're a factory. So we have got a factory. The factory is in King's Cross. We've got, you know, big permaculture forest gardens around the factory. I've just actually had two people from France just this morning. You know, it's a demonstration permaculture forest garden. So I showed them quickly into the garden and I picked Sharon fruit, you know, khaki from the trees there this morning. So I was just eating Sharon fruit from our own trees this morning. I had figs and apples in my porridge this morning. 
So, you know, it's it's a factory in King's Cross. Uh, we do lots of products for lots of different people, but the brand is an organic vegan brand. Organic, it's plastic free, and it's net zero carbon. So, you know, we've got good distribution, we've got about 10 export markets, 12 export markets for it, and we send it into multiple retailers and independents in this country. Amazing. So obviously before the podcast, we, before we pressed record, we were talking about the mini-series that we're currently on with food and drink business owners. Um, yeah. The Can I get your opinion on if you were recreating another Alex to work alongside yourself, what sort of personality trait or strengths that you would be looking for that person to have or someone to have to to have to become a success in your line of work? Well, I think first of all, it's resilience and adaptability and a motivation to not do it just for the money. You know, I mean, money's great stuff. Yet, if you you know, if Alex too was just doing it for the money, then it's not really you know, very sensible. I'd say those things, you know, strong motivation, adaptability, and sort of perseverance. So rolling back the years, obviously, to when you first found that £2 and stuff like that, if that was today, that would be described as being an entrepreneur. So in entrepreneurs in the food and drink industry, or in any industry, any in, for all sectors, we all love a productivity hack or what trying to get the best out of a situation. Can you explain what you would say your favourite or your go-to productivity hack would be, Alex? I mean, I suppose my productivity hack really is pulling people together and listening to what other people's views on a situation are. So not relying on myself, listening to what other people have got to say about a situation. Other people have got real insights into what needs doing, and a lot of them know what they're doing better than I do. So understanding and listening to what other people have got to say, I'd say, is a key productivity hack. And normally what goes alongside productivity is normally software. So what would you say your most underrated tool or software that's indispensable for your role would be? Well, you know, it's another good question. And certainly we've spent about 20 years developing our in-house database software system. You know, it really does manage all of the business, produces all the reports we need and means that we can comply with all of the audits that we have, produces all the reports, gives us instant margins on all of the products, gives us ingredient requirements for all the production we schedule, gives us instant stock control, so I know the value of our stock at any given time just by pressing a button, integrates all of our the team working here, looks at all productivity, produces all purchase invoices, all sales invoices. So this is an invaluable tool that we've got. It is unique to Alara, and I think it's a key piece of that this company has that others don't. So I'm going to ask you to think back on the business now. 
So throughout the years of Alara, on reflection now, what what's the one thing that jumps out at you, which you would now describe as a success, but at the time it sort of wasn't seen as the golden bullet. It was seen as let's give it a go and see. I suppose we introduced seed milling about 10 years ago. So, you know, we bought a little machine and started milling a few seeds. We've now got six, seven of these machines, you know, and we're milling, you know, 100, 150 tonnes of seeds every year now, so three or four tonnes a week, tonne a day getting on four. You know, and that's a really nice little addition to the business. You know, I suppose things like online, you know, that's really, really gaining strength. It has been for a while now. So, you know, again, that was just something that we set up, uh, an offshoot of the business called Superfood Wholesale, where we're selling our bulk commodities, you know, and that's doing several thousand pounds a week now, you know, at a pretty good margin. So these are two elements, I think, that we just experimented with that have proved pretty successful. Amazing. So what's around the corner for you and for yourself, Alex, and for Alara? It's certainly pretty tricky at the moment. You know, all of our ingredients are going up in price a lot. So at the moment, we're in a very big putting the price up to all our customers um, project at the moment. You know, that's going pretty well, actually. Uh, we're renegotiating all of our ingredient contracts. And I think looking at how we manage the business, and we're also planning a wassailing party in February. So we have two parties here a year. And our wassailing party, where we wake up all the fruit trees again, is part of our planning. Oh, sounds really interesting. So thinking of Alex of today versus Alex of then, when you were first starting out, what would Alex of today be given that one piece of advice to Alex of then? I suppose when you're saying what advice would I give is really what I have done, which is don't give up, you know, keep going. And it is, you know, running a business is a tough thing. And also perhaps look at costs that you've got more carefully. And when you, you know, when things are really going very well, don't go overboard with how things, with things going well. Keep a firm rein on costs. Okay, so last couple of questions from myself, Alex, then I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> the first one being, one of our core values is we love to learn. So I always ask every guest that comes on the show, how do you learn? Who do you take advice from? And if there was sort of a book that you'd read that you would recommend to someone else, what would it be? I really try to learn from mistakes. It's not always an easy thing. But once I make mistakes, certainly I try to learn from them and from the team as well. Certainly listening to what people have got to say is, is you know, a, a very important thing. A book that I'd recommend is Seven Habits of Successful People 
by Covey. It was quite some time ago that I read it, but it's a very, a very good book that helped me look at how I act in the business. Yeah, it's a really good one. It's not long since I reread it again with sharpening your saw and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. You know, I, I suppose sharpening the sword it, it, it did inspire me to make sure I take exercise every day, for instance. So that's certainly one of the things that that book inspired me to do. Perfect. And final question from me, Alex, is how do people find out more about yourself, more about the firm, and what's the best place best place to find that info? Well, I suppose, you know, on the web is a very good place. We've got a, a, a good website at alara.co.uk. And, you know, I've done quite a few podcasts and there's various, you know, Guardian programmes and I've been on sort of, you know, various media. So there's quite a bit of stuff on there about the company, about the gardens and about Alara. Amazing. Just want to say thank you for your time today. It's been great finding out a little bit about yourself and your, the story and how the business came around. Great. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to take part and good luck with your ongoing series as they develop further. Thanks for listening to The Evolving Accountant. You can find out more and get show notes for this and all our other episodes at theevolvingaccountant.co.uk.